This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Bringing you up to date on everything you need to know about everything in the world of hard rock and heavy metal music. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast presents Geek Wire. Bringing it to you, the news, the important stuff. My name is Aaron Camaro, joined as always by my man with his finger on the pulse of the world of rock. It's Chris Sinzak. You ready to bring the world the news, my friend? Sure, I guess so. Oh, it sounds so excited. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I mentioned before we uh, we went live, um, as of the day that we're recording this, today's our 12th anniversary for Decibel Geek, so uh, happy, happy 12th birthday to us. That's something to be excited about. 12 years of Decibel Geek. You gotta love that. That's the number one news story in the entire world of rock, right? Well, at least in our world, yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's wild, man. 12 years. It's cool, because all this time I've been saying, you know, we've been doing the show for almost 12 years everywhere we go. Now I can drop the almost. We are there. Yeah. <laughs> our, uh, our show is almost a teenager. Yep. Next year, we're going to start getting even sassier. Going to have acne, going to start jerking off, doing all kinds of stupid shit. Oh, we were supposed to wait to do that? Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's the benefit of remote recording now. Uh, yeah, no, what a wild, fun ride it's been. It's awesome. I love it. I don't, I've never been so committed to anything in my life outside of my wife and child. I mean, 12 years is something. I don't think in my longest career at any single place have I ever been employed for 12 years. Oh, me neither. That's wild, man. See, it just goes to show what you can do when you find something that you love to do. It never becomes a job. It's always fun. And you know what? That's why we like doing stuff like GeekWire, because it's fun. We like to bring you the news about rock and roll and have fun talking about it. And we love it when you guys respond to it and give us your take on these news stories. And, you know, it's fun just to share opinions and talk about rock and roll. That's right. And uh, yeah, as long as rock stars keep doing ridiculous stuff, we'll, uh, we'll have something to talk about. It never has to end. That's right. <laughs> It never will. Oh, that's funny. All right, so I guess with the number one most important news story in the world of rock and roll out of the way, what else we got? Well, I guess, I mean, the biggest thing lately that people have been divided on and talking about one way or the other is the uh, new Metallica 72 Seasons album. So I thought we would share our thoughts on it. And also I posted a thing in the uh, Decibel Geek you know, Facebook groups just to gauge what our listeners think and i thought we'd go over some of their responses too divisive is what i've seen so far about 72 seasons i got it i got it on cd i've been jamming it in the car i made my wife jam it in her car on sunday when we went out i've been listening to it kind of non-stop for a while but like i like to do with an album is like if we're doing something for the show i don't just listen to it i'll study it i'll put it in I'll listen to it track by track, thinking about it as I'm listening to it. With this album, I haven't put no thought in it, into it whatsoever. I've just been jamming it, you know. And, and man, it's something else. It's there's nothing on it that I could say that sucks. I don't like that. I think as a whole, it's really good. I think it's really good. 
Metallica is like the modern day masters of progressive thrash metal with this album. There's a lot of stuff on here that reminds me of like like power metal stuff like Halloween and things like that, you know, the just the guitars and the music, but it's Metallica through and through. I like it. I'm going to definitely do more of a deep dive on it instead of just letting it rotate in the car nonstop, which I haven't been hating doing. I've there like I said there's nothing on there I say, "Oh my god, you know, this is awful." You know, and there's there's stuff in Metallica's career and discography that that can easily be said about. This is pretty good, man. Yeah. I think it's I'm I like it. I think it's good. I think um you know, everyone wants to compare it to like, you know, the first 3 or 4, but I it, I just don't think that's fair. Ah, you can't do that. You can't do that because I mean, what compares to Master of Puppets? I mean, if that album's an A+, I mean, Metallica's not going to hit A-pluses anymore. Well, to me, I you know, when I listen to it, I, I almost view this as like Death Magnetic, Hardwired, and this. I almost view those three as a trilogy because it's kind of the modern era of Metallica. And I think those three albums kind of stand a- alone with, together with the, you know, with the same type of sound production and everything. And, you know, they're also the Robert Trujillo albums, too. So, yeah. And yeah, I know St. Anger also technically counts with him on there. But, uh, I mean, if, if you want to go back and look at, listen to Load and Reload and St. Anger, I mean, this is still miles ahead of that. Um, oh, yeah. I, I I think some of the songs do get a little long where there's some there's some self editing I think could have taken place but that's like a minor gripe cuz every song if I don't like a particular passage just wait you know 30 seconds I'm going to hear something that I do like in the song so it's yeah there's they're all very consistent songs there's no unforgiven song on this record I like that <laughs> which is awesome um nothing too crazy um but I think it all fits into the modern metallica sound so I don't really have any complaints about it um I even like the 11 minute in a marata I think is how you say it the last song on the record I even like that one it's got some cool parts yeah, to me it. too yeah, it's like you said, it's it's kind of proggy yeah. for Metallica. It's like they are they're mature now, you know. They're not writing just basic thrash songs. Even though that's what we know and love them for, this band has grown a lot since those days. And this album's man, it's something else. I'll tell you this. This is what I'll take away from this album here is if you put it on from start to finish, it's a good listen. And it it flows good. It all goes together good. Like for the first couple of times, I kind of had to pay attention because I didn't really like pick where songs one song ended and another one started because they all sounded like they fit together so good that it was a great flow through the whole thing. Yeah, and I I thought the um, the one that I was reading a lot of reviews before I listened to it, and the one that was getting the most the song was getting the most hate was Crown of Barbed Wire. So when I listen to it i was expecting to hate this song and i was like it's actually pretty good i I don't have any none of the songs are bad like there's no like no there's none of these songs where i I listen to it i'm like oh that's a skip you know they all are listenable songs and to really give it praise i think the title track is awesome i think screaming suicide is awesome uh, I the but I the big winner and they picked the right leadoff single. I think Lux Eterna is one of the best songs in the Metallica catalog. I think that song is amazing. Yeah, it's really good. Money well spent. Yeah, I like it. I've got the vinyl on the way. I'm I'm looking forward to getting that. 
There's a lot of people that really were upset about it, though. I don't understand it. Nah, I mean, well, everyone's entitled to their opinion on it. But, I mean, I just, to me, I'm just, you know, I'm seeing some people bash it. And then before I even listen to it, and I'm like, wow, what a, I don't know what to expect here. But it's a solid out. I still think I, I still have to give the nod to Hardwired over it right now. But I still need to listen to it a lot more. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I'm going to spend some more time with this album, which is okay, because I think it's pretty good, and I think it's only going to grow on me even more. I still have a serious XM account, so I'll watch the video version of the Howard Stern interview with him. It was a pretty good interview. Right on. Anything earth-shattering, exciting, Not, new? Nothing amazing. I mean, it was James wanted to name the album Lux Eterna. He, that, he got outvoted on that, so uh, that, that's like the one big thing. I mean, it's some stuff about songwriting and certain things but nothing earth shattering you haven't heard but it was just a, a fun relaxed conversation with them it's like two hours long that's pretty cool yeah so uh but yeah so Meta- oh and well yeah let's go over what some of the some of the listeners are saying um about the metallica record mark alden taylor loves it um eric Luzier says best album they've produced since the black album hey, there's some elements of the black album on here yeah i hear pieces you hear a little bit of pieces of their whole history on this. Nick Tavellis, boy, he really had a long response, but he said he's had it for most of a week to review, and he had, he says, I have to admit it, I'm disappointed. The singles were great, so I was expecting the rest of the album to be just as good. It wasn't. Those singles were probably the best tracks on the record. Hardwired destroys this album from top to bottom. I'd give 72 seasons a 6.5 out of 10 if I'm being generous. Wow. Wow. Not a fan. Um Trevor McDougal says, love it. Best album that fits right between Justice and Black. Perfect sound. Hmm. Um, Warren Edward LaRue Baker says, love it on first listen. Vital, aggressive, and relentless. First impression is that you must burn shadows, follow, and crown of barbed wire are immediate front runners. Lux Eterno is still my favorite. Nice. Uh, Christopher Powell says, it should be called 72 seasons long. Damn, this thing drags. Turned it off midway through the fourth song. Oh, man. And then uh, Billy Hardaway really brings it home by saying, fuck Metallica, they can lick my balls. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Billy. (laughs) Never change, Billy Hardaway. We love you just the way you are. Uh, Yeah. Um, Yeah, Billy Hardaway finally comes out of hiding to start commenting, and, of course, it's all negative. (laughs) (laughs) We'd have it no other way. It's like a trip back in time. That's good for our Uh, anniversary. (laughs) I like that. Um, All right. Well, Wasp Blackie Lawless says that he's been performing with a herniated disc in his lower back. Oh, shit. He says, I feel the time has come to address what's become an ongoing situation here in Europe for the 40th anniversary tour. Um, It's become obvious to many of you that either watching the shows live or on YouTube that there's something physically wrong with me. There is. I've done my best to hide it, but there are times many of the shows during many of the shows, the pain's overwhelming and then it becomes impossible to disguise. It's a long ass statement, but essentially said saying he's got a herniated disc in his lower back. And, uh, he says it's not age related. It's been an ongoing situation stemming from when he broke his leg 10 years ago, but I don't know. I, I think, uh, I wonder if the mic stands to blame. Or them heavy-ass BC Rich guitars. Yeah. Those things are not light. You carry one of those around for 40 years. See how your back feels. No, herniated disc ain't no joke, man. I know. It sucks. You One day you think you're doing pretty good and things are all right, and then all of a sudden, like a bolt of lightning, it freaking hits you, 
and wants to knock you on your ass. But, you know, just like Blackie Lawless, you know, we all got jobs to do, so you kind of suck it up and do the best you can. But, I mean, being in front of a crowd of people, I can't imagine, you know, having one of those moments where your back is just killing you and you you have to go out there and entertain for a lot of people that have paid their hard-earned money to see you. Yeah. Not an easy thing to do. Kudos to him for powering through it as best he can. That shit's not funny. He says he's had to get several epidurals just to get through some of these shows. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Awful. Um, Yeah, I went and got a cortisone shot for mine not too long ago. It was pretty good for about a week. And then it went back to the way it was. Hate it. I did see that they announced some more shows for the Wasp Armored Saint Tour, and uh, they're going to be playing at the Graceland stage in Memphis soon. Oh, wow. I'm seriously considering going to that. Wow, that'd be pretty cool and pretty unique thing to see. Yeah. And Armored Saint, I mean, I am interested in seeing the Wasp show, although I'm a little underwhelmed with what I've seen online. It's it's not really what he promised, and there's also the, the backing track thing. But um, I've never seen Armored Saint live, and I always wanted to. And yeah, they're doing a thing, uh, a VIP meet-and-greet thing for 100 bucks, which is a, it's not cheap. But you get like a, a full-on meeting with the band. You get several signed items. You get a T-shirt. I'm, I'm thinking about doing the Armored Saint meet and greet thing. Sounds like they make it worthwhile. Yeah, I've seen a bunch of great reviews of it, and I've never seen them live. So, I mean, honestly, Armored Saint makes it worth the ticket price alone for me. I think so, yeah. I love Armored Saint. I've never seen them live either. Yeah, it's so- been pretty cool. Kind of like when we seen Anthrax and Black Label Society and Hatebreed at the Ryman Auditorium. It was just kind of cool to see a metal band play someplace really cool and unique to them. Mm-hmm. I got to imagine that's going to be the same feeling in Memphis. Yeah, it'll be a, a show at the Graceland stage that actually goes forward. Huh? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, no pink will be brought out on stage. Um, but spe- well, speaking of that Vinnie Vincent concert that got canceled, um, one of the people involved in that, Carmine Apiece, is back in the news. Did you see uh, he's gotten into a war of words with Nikki Six online? Yeah. Nikki Six is an idiot called Carmine Peace washed up. Yeah. It's, um, and then uh, one of our friends, I'm not going to name names, uh, works for Carmine. <laughs> and so he's been kind of my inside track on uh, hearing about some of this stuff. And, and like, I, I so apparently Carmine got a cease and desist from uh, the Motley camp after he talked about this. And uh, our friend told us what? Uh, about this ahead of time. But uh, he was like, yeah, he's like, Carmine doesn't give a fuck anymore. He's going to say whatever he wants. <laughs> what the hell kind of cease and desist? Hey, hey, cease and desist saying bad things about us. Yeah. What kind of kind of thing is that it doesn't that that doesn't do you any good you can't really sue i mean i guess defamation or whatever but i don't i don't i mean carmine's entitled to his opinion that doesn't jive i mean so like if we're mad at somebody we could send them a cease and desist and say you can't say bad things about us oh we would have done that years ago if we could do that (laughs) (laughs) yeah but yeah i don't know that's I don't know. That whole situation with Molly Crew really sucks. But he said, uh, Carmine said that, uh, I guess he, he challenged Nikki to like a jam off thing where he's like, uh-huh. if I'll prove that I can outplay you on my instrument compared to yours. And, uh, Nikki never responded. <laughs> well, no, of course not. Well, can I, can I bring my cassette deck yeah. <laughs> with my cool tracks? How hard is it to fucking play Motley Crue songs on a bass? 
I got these awesome tapes of John Five playing bass to Motley Crue songs. It's awesome. <laughs> Never sounded better. It's too funny. And that's that's the thing we kind of talked about. I feel bad for John Five. You know, he just. It's got to be cool. You know, you think, okay, Mick Mars giving me his blessing, I'm told, and this is cool. And, you know, they're talking about new music and all this great stuff. How exciting. And then you find out, well, what you were told isn't really what's going on. You know, then all of a sudden it becomes this big thing that, I mean, it doesn't seem like John Five would have gone along with it if he'd have known how Mick Mars was getting treated on the way out. You wouldn't think so. I mean, he's considered one of the nicest guys in the business. I've never had the yeah. opportunity to talk to John Five, but you know, always seems like a very stand-up guy. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll see what happens. But yeah, I just, yeah, he's probably like, man, what the hell kind of hornet's nest did I walk into with this? Because it's, yeah. it's really unraveled in the last few weeks. Yeah, and then they said Molly Cruz entering the studio with Bob Rock to record some stuff with John Five. Oh yeah, I missed that. Oh yeah, that that was on here. Yeah, I didn't know Bob Rock was already involved with this. How strange. Still look forward to hearing it. You know, what is it? What's it gonna be? Is it gonna be good or is it gonna be like that last stuff few things they released? As far as Motley Crue goes, I guess I'm more interested in studio stuff than I am them live because at least you can cover up a lot of deficiencies in the studio. Oh, for sure. Maybe John's doing everything. I don't know. It's just John Five and Bob Rock in a studio. (laughs) John Five featuring Motley Crue. (laughs) Doing his own uh, Wolfgang Van Halen record. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I'd be interested in hearing music. I don't know if I'd really want to call it Motley Crue, but I guess, I mean, they... They did it with Karabi and called it Motley Crue, so what's the difference? Yeah, And Bob true. Rock was the producer then. Yeah, I mean, maybe they try to come back with some songs that sound like they could have been kick-ass tunes off of Dr. Feelgood. Well, and, you know, and a lot of people are giving Motley shit about you know not staying retired, and, and, which I get that. To, to me, they're not getting any of my money at a concert because I'm not going to pay to go see them, but I'll never complain about new music of any kind because it gives me something new to listen to, so why not? Right. Yeah, no, I'm. I'd, even though it's all this bullshit going on, I'd still be excited to hear new Motley Crue songs. If they're worried about them hurting their legacy, just listen to Generation Swine. They did that years ago. <laughs> <laughs> they got that out of the way early. No, there's no dignity left. Just go ahead and put out new music. No, yeah, why not? Um, I, some sad stuff. Uh, Ozzy got photographed walking around L.A. And, with a cane. and um, I saw the photo. The photos look bad enough. And then also... It's it's funny that there's a uh, a guy that does interviews with a lot of different types of celebrities, not just musicians. His name's Graham Benzinger. He he had Ozzy and Sharon on like a week ago, and I shared a clip from it. But like I'm amazed the rock press hasn't picked up on that interview because it's very open and honest stuff, and it's it's, it's honestly heartbreaking to listen to Ozzy talk about what he's gone through with his health. It's just. He really is at the end of his rope uh, with dealing with the pain that he's been in with neck surgeries. And they had to go put, do a neck surgery where they'd like fuse like stuff into his neck and his spinal cord. Did you hear about that? No, it's uh, it's heartbreaking. And, you know, he's talking about the pain that he's had to go through saying there's times he wish he was dead. And um, but one thing that did stick out to me. I know a lot of people for years have always been like, well, Sharon just keeps pushing him out there on stage and making him work. If you watch this interview, I think you're going to see 
I think Sharon is just encouraged. I mean, sure, she's making money off of it and all. She's a businesswoman. But when you watch him talk about this, he says it, it's killing him not to be on stage. And I think that's he just doesn't know any other life. He's been doing it since he was like 17 years old. So I think he really feels right. like a piece of him dies when he can't go out and do and perform. Well, you talk to some of them old rock stars, you know, especially back in their heydays when they're having troubles with drugs and alcohol. And they'll say, you know, up here on the stage is the only place where everything goes right. Like you get off stage and everything's fucked. My whole life is terrible. But when I'm up on stage, it's like your time where nothing can touch you. Yeah. You're up there doing what you do best. Nobody can come up and interfere with what you're doing. It's your own little snow globe of awesomeness that you're inside of. But once you're taken off of that, then it's on to, you know, the airport, to the limo, to this, to that, to, you know, drinking and doing drugs and, you know, things going wrong and fights with your band and fights with your woman and all the crazy shit. But when you're up on the stage, it's all good. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, he just, he he just, he was just saying stuff like you know I'm not done I I've got so much more I want to do I'm not ready to die yet and just it just, you could tell that just wow. performing is just truly what still drives him to keep living at this point honestly in 2023 did we really expect Ozzy to even be alive right now say hey, think about it you know back in the day and how now we know how crazy on drugs he was for so long somebody that lives to Ozzy's life. I wouldn't put money on it that he would last as long as Ozzy has. Mm-mm. No, it's amazing. And I found um, I shared it on Facebook the other day. It was um, somebody found like it was like high quality video footage and soundboard audio of uh, his set at the US Festival in '83. Yeah, wow, it is so good. It is so fun to watch. And um, nice, Jakey e. Lee is just tearing it up on that on that footage. It's great. I love that stuff, man. Ozzy Osbourne may be at death's door, but, man, that's a legend that'll live forever, long after we're all gone. Yeah. So uh, the guys and the the men in the rock world are bickering and having their drama, but it's not just relegated to men. The women are are having it out, too. Cherie Curry will never forgive Lita Ford for backing out of the Runaways reunion, uh, according to this new interview that came out. She, uh said, I played with all the girls. I played with Lita, and just in the last decade, Lita, Joan, I always played with Sandy, Sandy West, the drummer. She died of lung cancer in 2006. She yeah. said, uh, I, and Jackie, she said, I played with every members of the Runaways individually, and even Lita will say, oh, I can work with Cherie. I mean, I'm I'm easy to work with. I just want to have fun. But, the, hey, but, but they, Lita hates Kenny Laguna, who's Joan's manager, and that's never going to change. And she says the uh, chances of them reuniting are slim because Lita and Joan don't see eye to eye. She said, I really hoped it would happen, but now I absolutely believe it will not. Unless there's a miracle on Joan and Lita's side, which I doubt, but I can't control people. And it's too bad because it could have been great. But apparently they were trying to make it happen when uh, Sandy was very, you know, was getting sick, but still wanted to do it. And uh, I guess Lita was like, I can't work with Kenny Laguna. So that that's what threw a wrench into the whole thing. Did they talk about that in that movie? What was it? Edge Play? Was that the one? I don't know if that had happened yet at that point or not. Actually, yeah. I guess it did because did, didn't Sandy die during the making of that? I can't remember. It's been so many years or since sh- I've seen or that. Shortly movie. thereafter. Yeah, see, that seems about it. The timeline seems about right for that. 
and yeah, I mean, I don't know. Lead of there, it's it's that's a really cool movie too. That Edge play, if yeah. you've never had a chance to see it, it's pretty awesome because the Runaway story is very unique. Where it's this crazy dude. And he says, I'm going to find me four young chicks and I'm going to turn them into a band. And that's and that's how it goes. So these girls get plucked up from their everyday lives in California and are put into this band. And next thing you know, they're in Japan and, and all over the world, you know. And so that's a pretty unique way to, to get to the top of rock and roll. And, you know, it burnt out fast. Yeah. And, of course, Joan Jett goes on to mega fortune and fame and... Lita Ford, she does pretty good for herself, and the rest of them kind of, you know, Cherie Curry's been putting out stuff over the years, but you don't really hear a lot about it, I guess. I don't know. It just seems like the two biggest stars to come out of that band, there's some animosity there, and I don't, I'm not sure why. Yeah. It's too bad. I mean, it'd be, I would, I would think that maybe Joan Jett thinks she's too big for it now. I, well, I, from what, uh, what I gathered, you know, Kenny Laguna kind of is like a guru to her, and it seems like he kind of runs everything for her. Um, which that could be good or bad. I don't know. I mean, I get. I mean, it, she's done well for herself. She's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but All right. And then Lita Ford, being the hard ass, self reliant person that she is, probably sees that shit as kind of phony and weird. Oh, I'm sure of that. Um, did you know who Cherie Curry's married to? No, uh. Uh-uh. Robert Hayes, who was an actor, um, did you ever see the movie Airplane? Yeah, he was the the Ted Stryker character in Airplane. Oh, for real? Yeah, that's her husband. <laughs> oh wow! I was look. I was trying to book her for Rock and Pot a few years ago, and I was trying to make it work where he could come too because I wanted to meet him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just didn't work oh, out. That's a trip. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in forever. Yeah, it was. But I remember him. Yeah, it was funny. But yeah, I, 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 I would pay to see a Runaways reunion. I think it would be really cool. I think I'd be more excited to see a Runaways reunion than I would a Joan Jett show, or maybe even a Lita Ford show, for that matter. Yeah, oh, I would too. It, it would be cool to see them get together and do those songs again. But, uh, but it does kind of suck that Sandy West is gone now. Yeah, she was a big part of that. And then also yeah. with Edge Play, um, yeah. If you haven't seen Edge Play, it's a great documentary about them. But also the uh, the whole Kim Fowley angle, man, boy, the, he he uh, was a a weird guy, um, yeah. kind of a genius, but also a very destructive person. Apparently, probably an interesting dude that you don't want to hang out with. <laughs> yeah, seemed a little strange. Um, some good. Good news in the rock world. Uh, the surviving members of Soundgarden and Chris Cornell's widow, Vicky, have now reached an agreement, and uh, Chris's final recordings are now set to go ahead and be released. I love that. This has been going on for a long time, and everybody's known that those songs are out there and that nobody was going to be able to come to an agreement of who was going to benefit from the release of those songs. And you know what? Like you said, in an in a episode full of bullshit so far from herniated discs to ripping off your guitar player to, you know, this guy's going to die on stage to this band will never play together again. It's nice to have some good news that we're going to finally get to hear these final recordings of Soundgarden. Well, the, apparently they're demos that Chris made at his personal studio in 2017, and there was no like explicit agreement 
that they were meant for Soundgarden, but the guys in Soundgarden said that they were recordings that were meant for Soundgarden. So, so but does the guys from Soundgarden play on it, or is it just Chris Cornell? It doesn't really clarify that on here. Because if it was just him in his studio by himself, I mean, you, you really couldn't call that. See, now I'm not excited well, about it. No, Damn it. it. <laughs> well, it says... Um, at the time, Kim Thale, Ben Shepard, and Matt Cameron claim that they don't have possession of their own creative work and allege that Vicky Cornell has possession of the only existing multi-track recordings of the last Soundgarden tracks that include Chris Cornell's instrumental parts and vocals. All of the band members jointly worked on these final tracks. So, oh, okay, maybe they're on. Maybe they are on them. That maybe that was the whole rub. But I mean, if they came to an okay. agreement, then I would think they are involved on these tracks. Yeah, they must be because otherwise, what kind of claim would they have against Vicky to say, "Hey, we need you know to be included on this too"? If she'd say, "Well, these are Chris's demos. You didn't play on them. Well, you don't get shit," you know. Maybe so they must have had something to do with it. Or maybe if they maybe if they were being financed by the record company for an upcoming Soundgarden record, that's all I can figure. Hmm. All right, I'm gonna be apprehensively excited about this now okay we'll see we'll see what happens um with eric martin being at rock and pod recently he did a lot of interviews that day and uh mentioned you know of course mr big announced their final tour and he was telling everybody you know that's it that's over well billy sheehan has now come out in an interview and said that they're talking about writing new music together (laughs) that's cool i mean i thought you know we're going to bring Mr. Big back out one last time. For anybody that might have missed it, this is your chance to see it. And then that's it. But yeah, he says um he says that they're talk they're they're talking about writing a few things and getting together so they're going to do rehearsals before the the shows and it'll turn into a writing thing probably. Yeah. And uh he says it's not set in stone, but we hope to have some new stuff as well and again it's going to be a farewell tour so it'll be kind of a way of putting a period at the end of the sentence. And saying thank you to the amazing fans. So, huh. I, or maybe it's just some a, a couple of new songs to go along with the tour. Maybe. Well, you got to figure these guys have gone on to do their own things. Billy Sheehan, a lot of his own things, and you got to think. You know, these guys are still writing songs, and being who they are, that every once in a while they must write something and go, you know, that'd have been perfect for Mister Big. And then now that they're all spending time together again to say, you know, I wrote this song a couple years ago, and I just always thought it'd be perfect for us. Check this out. You know, hey, as a matter of fact, you know, I've written something, too, that I always set aside because I thought it'd be better for Mr. Big, you know. And so all these ideas and them being together again and all being awesome, creative people. It'd be a shame if something awesome didn't come out of that besides the tour. Yeah, maybe Billy Sheehan saying, like, I've only got 12 other projects going on. I can write some stuff. <laughs> I wrote this awesome song, but it's not right for any of these other 12. But I think it'd be perfect for Mr. Big. Yeah. Maybe that would work out that way. I don't know. I, I, I mean, if they put out something, I'll buy it. Oh, yeah, me too, for sure. Um, did you hear? I, this is uh, you know, this is an article about JoLynn Turner responding to a rumor. But have you heard this rumor that apparently Richie Blackmore might be coming back to Deep Purple? I saw this thing online. It's been a couple of weeks now. And when I saw it, it looked generic. It looked like fake news. It looked like The Onion 
or metal sucks or something like that, you know? And I just didn't think it seemed legit. But there's a little part of me that went, man, that would be awesome. But I just don't think that's going to happen. I didn't even know till like a week ago that uh, Steve Morse wasn't in the band anymore. He's not? No, he left the band. And uh, they've got a, a new guy named Simon McBride as the new guitar player. Huh. Boy, that's weird. So, I mean, who's left? Roger Glover and... Ian Gillen and Ian Pace. But, I, they, you know, yeah. Eddie Trunk was saying that, um, as far as he knows, the friction between Blackmore and Gillen is still there. So I, I, don't, I wouldn't put any stock in it. I don't see it happening. No, I wouldn't put money on that one at all. Or when I saw that article, I thought, this is bullshit. That ain't real. Yeah, Joe Lynn Turner agrees. He's like, nah, probably not. <laughs> It'd be cool, though. Well, we want to get into your uh, segment of the show. Okay, yeah, we can do my segment. Rockstar birthdays, rockstar death days, and albums that have recently come out and are right on the horizon. The past, the future, and the present, all in one segment. I present to you right now, Rockstar Birthdays. You know what? I'm just going to zip through these. I didn't really put a lot of effort into this week's birthdays. I was a little heartbroken over the last ones. Here's some birthdays going on. Maynard James Keenan on the 17th. Eddie Kramer on the 19th. You got to love that guy. Here's one. We talked about this on the Ask Us Anything. You know, stuff that you like, that you listen to, that people would think, you don't listen to that. I love me some Jerry Rafferty. Oh, me too. (laughs) Great stuff. He's got some, you know, he's known for, you know, Baker Street and, you know, what what's his other right big Right Down hit? the Line. Right Down the Line. Man, I love that song, Right Down the Line. But he's also got some deeper cuts that are pretty freaking rocking and pretty damn cool. Give Jerry Rafferty a chance. His birthday on the 21st. Uh, Iggy Pop, I just found out, released a new album earlier in the year. I had no idea. I found it and was like, is this new? Yeah, it's new. His birthday on the 21st. Born in 1947, here's another punk rocker. Also on the 21st, Jerry Only from the Misfits. Celebrating a birthday. Here's a name that'll never go with those other two. Peter Frampton celebrating a birthday on the 22nd. He's a Nashville guy just like us now. Going back on tour, too. Yeah, that's cool, man. You know what? I gave Peter Frampton a chance. And I don't like all of his stuff, but some of that early stuff right after he left Humble Pie... There's some choice cuts in some of those albums. Not all of it, but there's some pretty cool stuff in there. Um, Stevie Clark, had he lived, his birthday's on the 23rd. Awesome guitarist from Def Leppard. Brent Muskit, the original guitarist from Faster Pussycat, celebrates a birthday on the 23rd. Roger Taylor from Queen on the 26th. John Karabi, also on the 26th. The Spaceman, Ace Fraley, celebrates his birthday on the 27th. Uh, Tommy James from Tommy James and the Shondells. I love it. See, that's another one right mm-hmm. there, too. That That's outside the box of Decibel Geek, but I love me some old Tommy James and the Shondells, too. So that uh, Sweet Cherry Wine and Crystal Blue Persuasion and Toe in the Line is a pretty oh, rocking song. song. Yeah. Uh, on the 30th, celebrating your birthday, Wayne Kramer. MC5. From the MC5. Yeah, just, you know... Didn't put a lot of effort into it this week. I know I missed people. I'm so sorry about that. All right. So 
This one's going to suck. It's time for Rockstar Death Days. First one I got on my list is from the 7th. Back in 1998, at the age of 48, we lost Wendy O. Williams from the Plasmatics mm. and that awesome album that's damn near a Kiss record. Man, she was she was underrated, man. Ahead of her time. I don't know what happened. She killed herself. Yeah, a lot of uh, mental health struggles there. Yeah. Sucks, man, because I never... All I ever knew about Wendy O. Williams was the album with all the Kiss members on it. And then I started getting into some of the other stuff, the plasmatics, and it's like... It's really heavy. It's very punky. It's very unique. You know, some of it's rocking. Some of it's just... I mean, straight up metal, but her live performances were unbelievable. Like I've been watching some of her old footage of her playing live with the Plasmatics, and you know, having a car on stage and smashing it, <laughs> and tits hanging out, and you know, humping the stage. And I mean, she was so erotic and sexy and scary at the same time. There'd never be anybody else like Wendy O. Williams. She was awesome. A great performer. I ne- I never could get into her voice. Her voice was just like sandpaper to me. I just couldn't deal. I couldn't deal with it. I know this is not a stirring tribute, but a great performer though. I love it. I think it's awesome because there's nobody that sounds like her at well, all. That's like true. You throw on some plasmatics, or even if you took like a vocal cut from her, you know immediately who that is if you know who Wendy O. Williams is. One of a kind. All right, this is the one that really, really sucks because this one just happened last week. On the 7th, we lost an amazing guy, former guest of the Decibel Geek podcast. We knew him best as the bass player from Fraley's Comet, but, I mean, he had done so much stuff that Fraley's Comet just kind of scratches the surface of all the things that John Regan was involved with. And... I mean, above all that, yes, this guy was a legendary rock musician, a, you know, somebody that was an idol to guys like us, but we got to know him a little bit, and just the sweetest, nicest guy you could ever meet. Yeah, super nice guy, and uh, that I think that's the thing that, obviously a great musician, but that's the thing that, that's been like the thing I've seen echoed by everybody was just how down to earth and appreciative he was of people that, that loved his music. And, and I saw so many people and I'll agree. I probably with you, he would always wish me a happy birthday on Facebook. You know? Yeah. Same here. I got two cool stories about John Regan. One, the last conversation I had with him, because even after, you know, having him on the show, I would shoot messages back and forth with him once in a while. And the very last thing he ever sent to me was telling me to wish my son a happy birthday because he saw me posted it online. And I was just like, again, you know, every time I interact with him, I just get this awesome feeling in my heart because it's like I'm interacting with the guy who was on the very first black rock T-shirt that I ever had. Oh, yeah. You know, my first rock T-shirt was a Fraley's Comet T-shirt. My Aunt Pam bought it for me. I wore it to death. It disintegrated after a while, you know, because I wore it. I wanted to wear it every day. I never wanted to wear anything else. And I remember having him on the show all them years ago and telling him about that shirt and how fun it was for me to be talking to him. And then, you know, just to have him 
as somebody you could just say, hey, man, what's going on, you know, and just hit him up on the on the messenger, and he would answer every single time. Last thing he told me was to wish my son Ace a happy birthday, and so I, I was like, yeah, he's going to think that's cool. So I was like, hey, man, just wanted to let you know that the bass player from Fraley's Comet wanted me to wish you a happy birthday. <laughs> And of course, Ace don't, you know, he's my kid. He, I mean, he knows what Fraley's Comet is because he's my kid. (laughs) So he's like, that's pretty cool, you know? And so, I mean, how sweet. And then here's, I'll tell you how nice John Regan is. So when we were interviewing him, we got talking about second sighting. And the drummer on that album is a guy named Jamie Oldacre. Mm -hmm. And I think when we interviewed him, I, I pronounced it weird. I pronounced it like Oldaker or something like that. But instead of correcting me and telling me I'm wrong, he says, oh, I've never heard it pronounced like that. <laughs> and so I go, oh, is that not how it's pronounced? And he's like, no, I think it's Oldacre. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So he doesn't tell you you're wrong. He like asks you if he can, you know, you gotta, you know, you gotta welcome him to correct you. You know, he's not just gonna come out and say that you're doing it wrong. Yeah, he's gonna go. Oh, is that how it is? Oh no, it's not. Oh, this is okay. There you go. You know, <laughs> yeah, and I, I have to believe that Dave Mustaine and Michael Schenker would not be nearly as kind. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but that's just the kind of guy he was, man. And the fact that. That was that was the one that really kind of enlightened me to how awesome Decibel Geek really could be because that was pretty early on yeah. when we got to talk to him. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself, you know, we're about to interview John Regan. If I had a dollar for every time I listened to that Fraley's Comet album, because I got it when I was new, new in my, you know, renewed in my Kiss fandom, like really a fan now where I'm buying my own stuff, where I'm looking for Ace Fraley. Like every time I go to the Camelot music, every time I go to the inner sleeve records, I'm running to the K's, I'm running to the F's and I'm running to the A's just in case they didn't put it in alphabetical (laughs) order correctly, just to see if there's anything out there. Because, you know, at that time there was no internet. And so you just kind of look and see what you could find. And that Fraley's Common album was such a huge part of my life at that age because that was the age when I was coming in my own as a little rock and roller where this is my music now. This isn't my uncle's. This isn't my cousin's. This is for me. you know. And John Regan was a huge part of that. And to me, getting to interview him was, oh man, it was out of this world because it's like we can do anything with this show. If we can talk to a guy like John Regan, there's no telling what we can do with this thing. And, you know, here we are 12 years later, still talking about what an awesome experience it was to have John Regan on the show all them years ago. So, I mean, that's how he touched us. Mm-hmm. And we know by all the tributes and all the nice things that people said, John Regan touched a lot of lives out there, not just through his music, but through who he was, you know. And I'm going to miss the hell out of him. Man, and he made my life better for, you know, allowing us to be a part of his for a minute. Yeah, really great guy. And um, I did read that somebody at Kiss FAQ said they they went to his service and uh, that Richie Scarlett and Ace and uh, Frampton all showed up for his service. I'm glad to hear that. That that means a lot to me. You know, that speaks a lot to their character and it speaks speaks a lot to 
you know, these rock stars are finicky people, you know, if they don't like you, they're not, I ain't going to that, you know. So, I mean, all these guys, Frampton, Ace Frehley, took their time out and went and paid tribute and honored the guy. That shows you how honorable he was. Yeah, and um, played on more than just days. Did a lot of work with Frampton, uh, worked with the Stones, worked with David Lee Roth. You know, he did, did a lot of really – also, like, and it, I know it's not everyone's favorite, but, like, that very famous cover of Dancing in the Street that Jagger and Bowie did together, that's John Regan playing bass on that. That's right. It's a weird-ass song, but it's John Regan playing on it. Humongous hit. Yeah. Oh, man, that guy's going to be missed. For sure. Seriously. And he's found a forever home on the Rockstar Death Days. Every year at this time, we will remember John Regan. Yep. So here's some other folks before we wrap this up that we want to remember coming around this time of year. Back in 1992, at the young, young age of 38, on April 10th, we lost Sam Kinison, a true rock and roll comedian, in a terrible car crash. Yeah, way too damn young. It was weird. I I don't know if I told you this. I it, it, there's a Music City. It's, I think the camera was called like Music City concerts or something, and like they share old flyers from years in the past of shows that came here. Yeah, and they did. They showed one of uh, a Sam Kennison concert that was happening, and I just shared it like I do all the cool rock ones that they share. And I get a I look in the comments and it says thanks for sharing this, and it was from Bill Kennison, Sam's brother. Oh wow! I was like, holy shit, that's cool. <laughs> that's super cool. You know, Sam Kennison, I think is probably my favorite comedian of all time. He's somebody I would have loved to have interviewed. Yeah, man. If he'd have lived, what what stories, you know? Yeah. That would have been amazing. Yeah, I'll always miss that guy. I love Sam Kinison. Uh, On the 14th, we want to remember Peter Steele from Type O Negative. Lost him back in 2010 at the age of 48. Man, towards the end there, that guy had a lot of health problems. Yeah, for sure. And they say it stems from a lifetime of drugs and alcohol. Yeah, he did He did live the lifestyle. Yeah, you can only do that for so long, poor guy. Man, I love me some typo negative, too. We did a typo negative episode. That was a fun one. Got to get Andy back on the show for something. I, just, I was talking to him the other day. I was like, well, yeah, get you back on the show. Yeah, that typo negative one was awesome. I loved it. On the 15th, we want to remember back in 2001 at the age of 49, mm, fucking cancer took Joey Ramone from us. Mm. That's a tough one, man. Joey Ramone should have lived forever. Yeah, that's uh, pretty much all of them except for Marky are gone now. And CJ, yeah. Yeah, it's weird. We're in a world without the original Ramones. They're all gone. But again, those guys all live pretty rough lives too. Yeah. You know, and Joey Ramone was putting out some damn good solo music there towards the end, too. Absolutely. Yeah, the uh, Don't Worry About Me solo record is one of my yeah. favorites. There's some, I picked up the, I think he had two full-length studio albums that came out like later years. And, I mean, if you like the Ramones, there's nothing not to love on either one of those albums because, one, it's Joey Ramone, and two, it all rocks. It's all really good. I would definitely. Yeah, he was good all the way to the Definitely recommend end. those. Let's see. This is a wild one here. Back in 1983, on April 17th, at the age of 43, probably most famous for being the singer, songwriter, bass player in Mountain, Felix Papalardi. He was killed by his wife. That's right. Shot him with a gun that he bought for her. 
Yeah, that's a fucked up story. I think in the end, she ends up pleading down to negligence with a weapon. But yeah, he got shot by his wife. Yeah, I I don't know what the circumstances were on that. But uh, if if you're a Kiss fan and you never listen to any Mountain, Felix was a giant influence on Gene Simmons. Oh, yeah, I can definitely hear that. Yeah, Mountain's a great band. A lot more than just Mississippi Queen. Even though most cases people would consider them to be kind of a one-hit wonder, their deeper cuts, there's some really, really good stuff. And Leslie West is probably one of the most unsung guitar heroes out there because just because, you know, they didn't have a lot of hits, but they had a lot of great albums. Yeah. Definitely check out some Mountain. Yeah, the the climbing album is, is my favorite of theirs. Yeah, they got a lot of good stuff. Let's see here. Here's another one. Classic guy, died too young. Somebody that's pretty well revered around here. Back in 1991 at the age of 44, on the 20th, from Humble Pie, Steve Marriott. Another tragic death. Dies in a house fire. Yep. Man, three weird ones in a row, because I got one more for you. But before we move on, I mean, Steve Marriott, great guitar player amazing singer yes like if you don't know some of that old humble pie you're missing out on something i seen something the other day where it was uh i was watching some of those videos you told me about where you said you know watch people react to hearing some of this old rock music for the first time and they are just going nuts over steve marriott's voice and his attitude and the sexiness in which he sings and delivers the words. And, you know, it, it was pretty cool to see somebody that never heard any old Humble Pie listen to it for the first time and just be completely blown away by it. Were they listening to, like, the performance Rock and the Fillmore stuff? No, they were listening to a song called Black Coffee, which is one of my favorite Humble Pie oh, wow. songs. Black yeah. Coffee? Somebody yeah. reacted to that? Yeah, yeah. And he, you know, but everything Steve Marriott did, his his vocals were so soulful and powerful that people get a little blown away by it, even though Humble Pie, maybe not a household name. Yeah, but, I mean, at one time, Steve Marriott... Peter Frampton and Jerry Shirley all in the same band. I mean, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah, and they went on to put out stuff throughout the 80s that was still good. And, yeah, that sucks for Steve Marriott. (laughs) Although I'd still love that they had one of their albums was called Thunderbox, and it's slang for a toilet. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) British humor. Gotta love it. (laughs) I was like, that's the funniest reference of a toilet I've ever heard. Yeah. All right, here's one I know that you, Chris, will be remembering right along with Joey Ramone. Back in 1991, at the age of 38, this is a weird story right here. On the 23rd, we got to remember the passing of Johnny Thunders from the New York Dolls, guitarist. Was it an overdose? I don't know, man. Something weird happened to that guy. Well, his body was like all folded up backwards and shit when they found him in New Orleans. It, it, it's a bizarre way the way to go but i mean i'm sure it heroin had to have been involved but i don't know if somebody did something to him in the process i think they said he overdosed on cocaine and methadone but then there was other stories and like you said the way they found him and that's that's something to look into i went by the uh the hotel they found him in when me and my wife went to new orleans a couple years ago really yeah wow 
Yeah, it's a trip. And then let's see, got a couple more here. Phil McCormick was the guitarist from Molly Hatchet all them years. Lost him just a couple couple of years ago in 2019, age 58, died of a heart attack. Another one from last year on the 26th, uh, original member of Autograph, Randy Rand. Passed away at 71. Mm. And uh, I guess we'll wrap it up with this one this time. Old school classic priest drummer John Hinch. Rockarola, baby. Oh, yeah, first record. Yeah, passed away back in, well, not too long ago, 2021 at the age of 73. Sounds like he lived a mostly full life. But, yeah, those are... His name never comes up. That's why he's included on Rockstar Death Days. Don't forget this guy. He played on Rockarola. It's a great album. Uh, that, that makes one of us. <laughs> well, I like it. I think there's some really know. cool stuff on there. I love Priest, but I can't stand that record. Oh, man, there's some cool stuff on there. It's not the priest that you come to know and love. It's priest pre-discovering who they might later become. It's hippie priest. But there's still some pretty cool stuff in there. Like, I could listen to some of that. I could listen to the first Priest album along with some Mountain and some Humble Pie. That all kind of jives together. I'll I'll take the Mountain and the Humble Pie. You can have the Priest. Oh, okay. Well, in any case, these are the people we want to remember. You want to bust out some that first Priest album, some old autograph, some New York Dolls, Humble Pie, Mountain we told you about. You know about the Ramones. You know about Typo Negative. God bless Sam Kinison for being one of the funniest human beings to ever walk the face of the planet. Wendy O. Williams, she definitely left her mark. And our hearts are going to hurt for a long, long time for missing John Regan, one of the awesomest people we ever met. Talked about the past. Talked about the present. Let's talk about the future. We'll go up in the past just a little bit first. Got some albums that have recently been released or are about to be coming your way that you need to be aware of. So we left off last time with Paul Gilbert's The Dio Album, came out on the 7th. So back a few days, these all been out for a minute. We talked about Metallica already, came out on the 14th. On the 13th, I know Chris, you probably recognize this name, but I don't know how many other people do. Jared James Nichols. Yeah, this is funny how this works sometimes when I'm doing these things. I do all this research to have this together, to have my own awesome segment during GeekWire. And I go, oh, yeah, Jerry James Nichols. I know that guy, man. He's a freaking awesome guitar player. This is a dude. He's won all the best guitar awards. He's been taken on tour with some of the best bands around. He is one of four people walking the earth that are considered and have the title to be global ambassadors for Gibson guitars, one of four people on the entire planet. Who's the other three? Uh, no, let me think. I got to remember. Slash, Dave Mustaine, and Lizzie Hale. Okay. If I remember correctly, I think I do. Those are the only other three. And Jared James Nichols. So, Jared James Nichols got a couple of EPs out, but this is his third full-length studio album. I saw it. I was like, oh, heck yeah, you know, this guy rules. i got to check this out. Oh, wait a minute. No, it came out in January. So, I did the research. You get the information for free. (laughs) (laughs) 
Now, he's going on tour with Tuck Smith right now. Exactly. Yeah, I was just going to mention that. Very cool. Two awesome people. I'm telling you, if you are a fan of just amazing guitar players, Jerry James Nickel is a guitar hero for the modern age in the same way that we used to look at Eddie Van Halen and Ace Fraley and Randy Rhodes and guys like that. Guys were that were the upper echelon of amazing guitarists in our time. This is a guy that's out there and deserves that recognition right now. He's got a self-titled album. Like I said, it came out in January, but you know, (laughs) I figured you ought to know about it. Self-titled, Jared James Nichols. Get out there and check it out and look and see when he and Tuck Smith are coming to town because that is a show you do not want to miss. All right, let's move on then to the 14th. So many bands came out with albums on the 14th. We already talked about Metallica. I love it. It's their 11th studio album. Chris loves it. Some people hate it. Some people think it's all right. I'm going to give it some more listens. Maybe we'll come back on a Decibel Geek VIP and do a real breakdown of it or something. Um, Other than Metallica on that very same day, had the new album from Jason Beeler in the Baron Von Bielski Orchestra, Postcards from the Asylum. Now, Jason Beeler, he's proficient. He continues to provide fans with new music. He's crazy artistic and creative. Kind of puts his music on the wild side a little bit. I love most everything he comes out with. I've got this one on order. I haven't checked it out yet. I'm kind of weird about... I don't want to listen to the singles on YouTube. I want to listen to the whole album when it gets here. So I haven't really... Can't really give too much of a review on that yet. But maybe down the line. I can tell you Todd Kearns plays on a song on it. Oh, cool. So that's got to rock. I'm looking forward to it. So if you love Jason Beeler, if you love the old Saigon kick, if you think you want to take a walk on the wild side with something a little bit different, you want to check out Postcards from the Asylum. I'm sure it's probably going to blow your little minds. It, it, the last one kind of blew me away. I was like, what am I listening to? I like it, but I'm not sure. <laughs> Then also on the same day, the 14th, L.A. Guns are back with their 14th studio album, Black Diamonds, recorded at Baco's house. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Yeah, in the liner notes, it says uh, recorded at Skullbakken Sound. And I was like, what are the odds that it would be called Skullbakken? Skullbakken. Clearly, that is Baco from Cobras and Fire's basement where this album was recorded. That's the only thing that can make sense. Past clients, Jesus Chrysler. Yeah, that's right. It all starts with Jesus Chrysler. I don't know. 14th studio album. From what I've heard, like I said, I, I prefer to wait for the whole album to get here. I spent my money on Metallica this week, so... Got the other ones coming. This is another one that's coming. I've heard good. I've heard bad. To me, I know Adam Hamilton's back involved, and he's done some of the best stuff with L.A. Guns. So to me, that makes me excited for it. I got to give it more time. Yeah? Didn't strike you right away? No, it didn't really grab me right off, but I need to listen to it more. Okay, I recommend that. I'm going to get it and listen to the hell out of it myself. Love me some L.A. Guns. Let's see, also on the 14th, Mike Tramp, his new album, The Songs of White Lion. Yeah. It is what it says it is. It's Mike Tramp in 2023 doing The Songs of White Lion. I'm not sure why. I don't have anything good to say about this one, so let's move on. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess you want to sell a CD at your concerts. 
that's the way to do it. I know LA Guns, yeah. LA Guns even did that at one time, like re-recorded their classic stuff with their current lineup so that they could sell those songs because the record company actually owned the original recordings. So that was their way to kind of skate around that little technicality and be able to make money off the songs they wrote again. So maybe this is something like that. Maybe we'll start to see some uh, 2023 versions of these White Lion songs and commercials and things. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Let's see. Another one on the 14th. This is another one. Should be showing up here any day. As a matter of fact, I need to go check the mailbox right now. Maybe not right now, but shortly. New Overkill album. Who's had more albums over the years, Overkill or Metallica? Oh, it's got to be Overkill. Yeah, by a long shot. While Metallica just released their 11th studio album on the 14th, Overkill releases their 20th full-length studio album. Follow-up to 2019's The Wings of War. It's weird, man. This album was supposed to originally come out in the fall of 2021, but got pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. It's finally out now. New Overkill album is called Scorched. I'm sure it rocks. It's been mixed by Colin Richardson, who also mixed the albums Bloodletting, Cover Kill, and Killbox 13. So if you like those albums, I would imagine, because I do, I like those albums a lot. I think Bloodletting is mm, awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm excited for it. Like I said, it should be here any minute. A couple more for you here. We'll file this one on this. This one's kind of a joke. It's kind of funny, but uh, file this one under bands you had no idea were still putting out new albums. Okay. The Pet Shop Boys. What? Have a new album. It's an EP. It's called Lost. And I thought, The Pet Shop Boys. That's funny. That's a name I haven't heard for a long time. But they had the song West End Girls, right? Yeah, it's West End Grandmas now. Yeah. Guar did a really cool cover of that song. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a really good cover. I like that a lot. Funny thing about the Pet Shop Boys, other than the fact that we're talking about them on Decibel Geek here for a minute, actually very proficient since their debut in 1986. These guys have a ton of material out. Pet Shop Boys never went away. They got fans. They're keeping them going. Hmm. I don't So if you love the Pet Shop Boys. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of uh, bands that you can't believe are still around, you mentioned it recently about the Zombies putting out a new record. Yeah. I listened to that the other day. What'd you think? Musically, it's pretty good. Uh, Vocally, uh, it sounds like a guy in his 80s. Yeah, well, because it's a guy in his 80s. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here's one to get serious about. This is pretty cool. I don't know the exact release date but i think it came out very recently or is about to come out remember the band smashed gladys yeah so they got this thing coming out called raw and it is demos for the unreleased third album they had a third album that was supposed to come out that got dropped i guess because i mean it was smashed gladys in the 90s the songs that are on this album raw were produced by gene simmons really so you can check that out. I'm kind of interested in that. I want to I wanna hear what that's like. It's called Raw. It's Smashed Gladys, and I believe it's out now or will be soon. Look that up, KISS fans. That might be something interesting. I will check that out. 
All right, here's another cool one. Former guests at Rockin' Pod got a new album out. Who would have thought this band would still be putting out new albums all these years? It's Angel. Yeah. New album, Once Upon a Time, coming out on Cleopatra Records. It's 11 new studio tracks plus three bonus tracks if you get the CD. And Punky says, Angel fans are going to love this. Sounds just like the classic stuff. That's what they're aiming for. Well, I'll definitely give it a listen. I hope it sounds more like the sinful material rather than the uh, the early the the prog stuff that was the early part of their career. Which I know that's what they're famous for. Right. I am not a fan of that stuff. That should be interesting. It's always interesting when these classic bands coming out with stuff. Do they stick to their roots? Do they give what their fans want, or do they get experimental and try new things? Not Angel. They ain't messing around with the formula. They know how you like it, and that's how they're trying to give it to you. So we're not going to get a Angel new metal album. Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Punky, what happened to your whips? Where'd they go? Yeah. Punky, why, why are you wearing uh, baggy-ass jeans and a backwards baseball hat? I could never even imagine that. <laughs> that guy's glamorous at 2 o'clock in the morning if he's rolling over in bed. All right, here's one. This is pretty interesting. Axel Rudy Pell. Old school rockers will remember him as the original guitarist in the Scorpions. Went on to have a long solo career, guitar hero in Europe for sure. On the 21st, same day as Angel, by the way, he's got an album coming out called Ballads 5. No, Ballads 6. And it is a collection of this guitar wizard's most sexiest songs. It's like slow jams for German metal fans. Hmm. Ballads, six, Axel Rudy Pell. Get it on with your lady with some German metal. You gotta love that. Here's another one. What? It's the quintessential flute rockers. <laughs> I saw this. <laughs> They're back for their 23rd studio album, appropriately entitled Rock Flute, Jethro Tull. Winners of the uh, Best Heavy Metal album, 1989. That's always a band that I feel like, you know... People that I respect that are a little bit older always talk so favorably about Jethro Tull. Now, because of what happened back in the day when I was young and there was like, these guys just beat Metallica and these other good rock bands for this award. And it like totally turned me off to even wanting to even want to like Jethro Tull. But you know what? I mean, Aqualung is a pretty Mm -hmm. damn cool song. And Cross-Eyed Mary is a pretty damn cool song. Maybe Jethro Tull's a band that we should maybe give more of a chance to. But then I remember they're the quintessential flute rockers. Flute doesn't belong in rock and roll, but Jethro Tull found a way. And they're still doing it all these years later. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe flute is metal. Well, I I still want to do the... uh sax uh, episode that we talked about but we could do a flute one but it would just be all Jethro Tull songs right yeah because I can't think of anybody else in the comments if you know another metal band that includes flute not counting music from the elder let us know <laughs> is there any flute on the elder oh god there's got that album's about as fluty as it gets yeah, I guess there probably is yeah so then just uh, we got two more then I want to tell you about um, Revolution Saints Got a new album coming out. It's called, it's funny, I typoed this at first, so I thought it was called Eagle Fight. 
And I imagine the album cover, like, that's going to be awesome. That's a no, Crocus album. Yeah, it's no, it's called Eagle Flight. It's uh, <laughs> Eagle Re- Flight. Re- Revolution to see. Eagle Fight would be a good name for a band, I think. Though. It would. But we're talking about the new album from Revolution Saints, Eagle Flight. It's their fourth studio album. It's got Dean Castronovo, Joel Hoekstra, and Jeff Pilsen. And this is their first album without Jack Blades and Doug Aldrich. So big change up in the Revolution Saints, but they carry on. I mean, those three guys know what they're doing. I'm sure it's probably going to be pretty good. And then finally, wrapping this one up today in our look to the future, this one's coming out on the 21st, so probably right about the time you're hearing this. We've talked about it before, the Adam, the rock opera in three acts. It concludes on the 21st with the final installment of the saga, well, the trilogy. All three of these albums that have come out that are a part of this thing, all of them are full-length studio albums. So, I mean, technically, this is Smashing Pumpkins' 12th full-length studio album, and it's the third full-length studio album since November of 2022. And if you get the box set that includes the whole rock opera, you get a whole bunch of extra songs on top of the three full-length studio albums that have come out since late last year. So, man, great time to be a Smashing Pumpkins fan. There's so much of it. I want to check it out because Smashing Pumpkins is always one of those bands where I like some of it, I love a little bit of it, and a lot of it's weird. Uh, it's It follows the same path. So, I mean, there's probably, out of these last three albums, full-length albums, there's probably... Six or seven songs that are out of this world awesome. Be worth it, I think. Yeah, I mean, Billy Corgan's not just a wrestling promoter. He's also a musician. That's right, in case you didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, here's speaking of wrestling, I just want to throw in my own little plug here real quick. Mm -hmm. There's a YouTube channel right now. We talked about this on VIP. Oh, no, that got deleted. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. We recorded a whole episode of VIP for the Chris and Aaron show, and yeah, it ended up getting deleted. It was good, too, and juicy, and funny. And Chris is like, I deleted it. Yeah, I'm an idiot. Well, I could release half of this conversation with me laughing a lot. Um, But I want to tell you guys about a YouTube channel called Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. If you are a professional wrestling fan, my friend Brian Turner has been releasing all this cool almost unreleased, almost lost media of Tennessee wrestling. And he released some Crossfire wrestling stuff, and it's stuff that I'm all over. A lot of it I'm ring announcing and also calling the matches. So if you're a wrestling fan, it's Brian Turner's VHS Rehab, and you're going to find all kinds of cool Tennessee stuff that you probably haven't seen in years if you've ever seen it. Pretty cool. Check me out on there. It's awesome. There's a video of Aaron getting choke slammed. No, there's not. <laughs> yes, there is. Oh, that's a different one. That's uh It's not Crossfire, but it's on that channel. Is it really? Yeah. I did not know that was on there. Yeah, I no. watched it the other day. <laughs> I didn't get choke slammed. I got the mandible claw. He stuck his fingers down my neck. Oh, okay. Well that's what it was. Yeah. You know the lingo better than me. Yeah, choked me out. It was awful. Kicked my shoes off and everything. <laughs> Aaron had to be uh, Aaron had to be helped out of the ring. Well, and then there's one on there where I'm like kind of in the in between Shane Douglas from ECW, the franchise, very famous wrestler, 
and he's getting murdered. It was like I almost witnessed a murder that day, and I'm all in on that. And calling Raven matches and Matt Hardy matches and Carlito and man, all kinds of cool memories on there for me. And it's all this stuff is things that I haven't seen in forever. If I've ever seen it, a lot of that stuff I'm seeing for the first time. So if you want to see Aaron Camaro running around with a bunch of big muscly dudes that could kill him at any moment, (laughs) it's pretty fun, pretty cool stuff. But that's what I got. That's my segment. A look to the past, to the future, and to the present. Now you know who you need to remember, who you got to wish happy birthday to, and what albums that you can buy them for their birthday that are coming out. So still got some cool stuff we're looking forward to this year. Um, I got my list of things. I took Anthrax off my list because all my hopes and Dreams were dashed when they told me it wasn't going to be till 2024. But yeah, I mean, we got Tigers of Pantang coming oh, still. Can't wait for that. We got Winger coming. Uh, Black Spiders are coming up still this year soon. You got a new project with uh, Michael Sweet and George Lynch. It's supposed to be coming our way pretty soon. Mm. Buck Cherry, Extreme, The Dust Coda. I mean, mm. except what a lot else? Of good I stuff. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Seven Dust, I think, has got. Yep. Oh, did you see the Seven Dust video? Yeah, new new single got got released today. Man, that one with the uh, the zombies and the claymation. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That song is killer, man, and it's the video's fun. But what really got me was how good the song was because I mm-hmm. liked that early Seven Dust, and I've kind of kept up with them. Not as much as I do some other bands, but I've always liked Seven Dust. And this new song I heard made me pretty excited about that new album. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. Um, but yeah, it's it does sound a little bit more like their early days. I mean, they've been consistent the whole time, though. Oh, yeah, for sure. So there you go. We'll talk about all that stuff as they come closer to release date. And yeah, we're still in like not even halfway into 2023. And look at all the amazing albums we've already had. This is a good year. I like it. All right, so that's that. What else we got? Uh, just a couple quick ones. I think I'm going to trim this down a little bit, if that's okay with you. Um, so uh, in an interview with Larry Mack of 96.1 KLPX, uh, great white guitarist Mark Kendall has confirmed something we've been talking about for a while, that uh, new they're working on new music with their new vocalist, Brett Carlisle, who we saw at Rockin' Pod. And yes. It's now official, and I guess they've already been uh, demoing songs for a new album. Oh, that's awesome. I'm excited for that because Brett Carlisle is the best singer they've had since Jack Russell. I'll yeah. say it. I believe it. I think it's true. He has the spirit and is able to capture that, that what they had with Jack Russell. So I've been kind of bummed out with that side of Great White. You know, Jack Russell, his last album was pretty good, but that was a long time ago at this point. And... You know, the stuff that Great White has done has been okay, but the singers have never fit. Right. So now that they're, they've are they got their guy, I got to imagine they're going to be coming out with something pretty awesome. Yeah, and I, I know Brett did a few interviews at Rockin' Pod and um, mentioned that, that they expect to have it out this year, too. Oh, sweet. I'm going to add that to my list. Yeah, there you go. Um, we didn't get to cover this since the last geek wire. I don't think, um, kiss was playing one of their shows out in uh, South America and Gene Simmons had to, uh, 
had to take a five minute break on on a chair on stage, uh, apparently due to really bad dehydration because it was like hot as hell at the performance. I heard he pooped his pants. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, I oh, did. Okay. <laughs> you could find that on uh, eBay in the future. <laughs> Soiled drawers, two thousand dollars. Well, I saw that uh, our friends Ralph and Ian from uh, Rock and Metal Combat. Uh, Ian's just taken to basically putting a a fake Kiss headline in all of their all of their titles for their new episodes, even though they don't talk about Kiss. Yeah, yeah. Just because he knows more people will listen to it that way. And uh, I think the newest one was uh, something like Gene Simmons claims that since Paul Stanley doesn't have to sing, he shouldn't have to stand. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, kiss your laughing stock. Why? Uh, I'm glad he's okay though. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah seriously. I mean, because I- as much as as much shit as we give Kiss nowadays, deep down in our hearts, we love Kiss. And yeah, this ain't the way we'd like to see them going out, pooping their pants on stage, filling up that cod piece, sitting in a chair. I still don't want nothing bad to happen to these guys. I mean, I still love Kiss, but man, this is hmm. This is not the the excitement that you would have thought would have been the end of Kiss. I really hope they'll stop using the whole trotting out the whole we don't want to be the last people at the party line because guys, you're you're the last people at the party now. At the old folks home. Yeah. And that the makes whole- Gina party pooper. <laughs> insert rim shot there i hate it i hate it for us kiss fans um it's uh yeah it's sad i saw some of the video of it and um i don't know man i i do worry about these guys they're not getting any younger and like that would god that'd be the ultimate worst thing to happen if one of those guys just drops on stage i really hope it doesn't come to that yeah no kidding man like I said a million times, look at these guys. You know, Gene Simmons is sitting in chairs. Paul Stanley can't sing. Motley Crue's got all their problems. Ozzy, I mean, look at him. These guys are not going to be around forever. But now you got to look at it and say, these guys aren't going to be around much longer. And when Paul yeah. Stanley says things like, you know, singing rock and roll all night for the last time at Kiss's last concert will be overwhelming. Hmm. You go, well, you know, if it really was Kiss's last concert, I could imagine that it will be, but I just don't think it's going to be their last concert. No. They, they've become, they are Lucy with the football and we are Charlie Brown. <sighs> Damn it, Kiss. Why do you do it to us? <laughs> I hate it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, but they, they say they're. Gene thinks he'll he'll cry like a nine year old girl whose foot's being stepped on at their last show, and you know Paul says he'll be emotional. But it's like, what is it really? The, is it? I don't. I just don't see this being the end. I really don't. No, because you like you've said a million times, it's going to be uh, you know that's it, last chance ever to see us, Madison Square Garden. We love you. Come see us at our Vegas residency. Starts in two months. Right. And then we're taking it to London. Then we're coming back to New York again to do it again here, and then back to LA. We'll do one there, and well, and you know they they postponed um, a Vegas residency about a year ago. Like they had it, they had dates set and everything, and then they're like, "No, we're going to hold off on this 
which tells me they still have that. And also another thing that mm. never gets brought up, and it's if you re- research it, you can find it. Paul Stanley owns a penthouse at the Wynn Hotel in Vegas, and that I think that was where they were supposed to do the. I could be wrong. I think that was where they were supposed to do the residency, which kind of tells me it's like, hey, once we're done touring, time for a residency. Yeah, they may still have that obligation if that got postponed. Postponed yeah. means we'll see you a little bit later. And they, I mean, they've even been a little more honest lately, saying it's the end of end of the end of the road tour. Like they're actually stressing that now. Oh no! <laughs> so I mean, it's they're they've they've there's not. It's weird though. Though Doc did a couple of interviews recently where he's like that'll be the end at, at Madison square garden. So who knows? Um, I think their health is going to be depending on a lot. So this new thing with Gene, maybe that might make them rethink a few things. Who knows, man? It's, mm, I hate it. I hate the whole thing. Like we should be celebrating kiss, not laughing and making fun of them. I don't like doing that, but yet don't here leave we much are choice these days. Yeah. Mm, that sucks. Can we we wrap this up with a good story? Yeah, which one do you want to do? Well, I guess Dolly Parton. (laughs) This is a good story? Okay. The Um, Dolly Parton metal album. Dolly Parton says that Motley Crue bassist Nikki Sixx, quote, played his butt off on her upcoming rock album. He just brought in a cassette tape of John Five playing bass, and it was awesome. Yep. When I, and when I say he played his butt off, he, he pushed the button on the cassette player. <sighs> Lots of boobs in the story. Man. Well, you know, Gray White's got a great new singer. <laughs> yeah, you said this is going to be a good story. And it's also like, all the, uh, yeah, the, so far the, the, the songs that have been announced that are going to be on this record, it's all covers. Purple uh-huh. Rain. Satisfaction by the Stones, Stairway to Heaven, and Freebird by Skinner. I'm glad she's going for deep cuts. Maybe those are the only rock songs she knows. Oh, and I guess Steve Perry is doing uh, Don't Stop Believing on it. Like a duet? I think so. Wow. How weird, man. I, I, I couldn't be less interested in this album. And Nikki no. Six being on it makes me even less interested. <laughs> and it's funny to think like when this was first announced, the fools we are, we were like, this is intriguing. What is yeah. this going to be? This is, I you go back in the archives. You'll hear us talking about how excited we are for a freaking Dolly Parton album. Well, she's a, she's a amazing songwriter and i'm like well maybe she's really gonna try to write a real rock and roll album that would have been awesome i think she's gonna do the most obvious covers possible and i i think it's lazy and i I love dolly parton but i'm a little disappointed in this one it was gonna be my first dolly parton album (laughs) it was gonna go right next to my juice newton collection (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna start a whole new collection (laughs) that's right Oh, man. Well, I mean, there's some good news in there mixed in today, I think. Yeah. Rock and roll is weird nowadays. So we're not going to cover uh, Dean Castronovo saying that he did enough drugs that would have killed a rhino back in the day. And uh, Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen's uh, Frankenstein guitar, I think it is, uh, is going it's probably going to go for like 2 or $3 million. Oh, yeah. That's going to end up with Jim Ursay, I bet. I guarantee it. Yeah. 
Yeah. There's no way he's letting that get by with somebody else buying it. I'm still bummed out. The last time that we were in Indianapolis, we we're on Saturday, we were like, let's look at the local, you know, scene paper and see what's going on around here. And found out that Jim Ursay had his whole collection on display at the uh, stadium where the Colts play. Mm-hmm. And we missed it by a day. We're in oh. town and had no idea it was happening. I wonder if it's going to be there next month. I don't know. That was a special thing that night, I guess. Huh. They can't just I'd, leave them guitars and stuff laying around all the time. Oh, I'd love to see it, though. I've seen photos of it. Yeah. I think... I, think scott crouch went somebody i know went to it knew about it and went well we know toomey didn't go yep makes sense to me in a world that makes no sense that's geek wire <laughs> 12 years later still as goofy and dumb as ever yep that's never gonna change and <laughs> that's good for us because we're just getting warmed up i want to thank everybody that reached out and gave us congratulations on our 12-year anniversary of Decibel Geek. We love doing this show. Feel like we're just getting warmed up. We got a lot of cool plans for the future. And, yeah, keep sticking around with us because we're going to keep these shows coming to you. And we thank you for being with us all these years. So until next time, rock on. See ya. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.